Christ Community Church, located at 25th and Thomas Avenue in Portsmouth, Ohio. Christ Community meets on Saturday at 5 p.m. and Sunday at 10.30 a.m. For more information, visit www.christcommunity.net or check out our Facebook page. Well, good morning, Christ Community Church. There you go. I know it's, it has been, it has been bizarre the last couple weeks, hasn't it? Um, we've had so many people sick. It is, a day does not go by when I don't get a text or a Facebook message or something. I have COVID. I have the flu. Our whole family has the flu. Our whole family has COVID. And, and so be praying um, because people are just getting hit left and right. And I got a message uh, this morning, and this weird thing happened about mm, five years ago. Uh, about five years ago, my, my son, uh, who's a, a sophomore at Liberty University, he asked, he said, Dad, could we do a podcast? And I was like, sure, you know, it, it, whatever. I, I figured, you know, five people would listen to it, but that's, that's all right. You want to do a podcast as an excuse to hang out with my, with my son for an hour or two, a couple times a month, and so we started a podcast, and it blew up, and um, we got to know other podcasters, and one of them, one of the sweetest guys in the world, um, he, I got a message from one of his buddies this morning, and he's younger than I am. He's in his mid-40s, and he's very well-known in the podcasting um, community. His name is Jason Piles. He lives out in Utah, and um, he had, like I did, he had covid then he had, the, he had the flu, then he had, uh, he, I had lung inflammation, he got a lung infection, and now he has pneumonia. And he's got two young kids, and he has um, cardiac problems. And so I, I said that I would ask, I told his buddy, I said I would ask the church to pray for him. So his name's Jason Piles, and out in Utah, and if you will, just say a prayer for him. His family would appreciate it. He's got a couple kids, and he's a great guy. Um, other than that, all the, the sickness going on and all the other kind of stuff, and it, it, it's just been nuts. I know that turning on the news can be just like we're in bizarro land, you know, especially with everything happening with like Twitter and everybody blowing up about Elon Musk taking over Twitter. I saw Elton John left Twitter in protest. I wanted to tweet. I didn't. I self-control got the better of me. I wanted to tweet, great, Elton John's left Twitter. Who am I going to tweet for fantasy football advice now? Um, I didn't do it. I just thought about it. Um, but anyway, it's, it's, it's a bizarre time. And what, what happens in stressful times and bizarre times, all that kind of stuff, what we tend to do, it's just ingrained in our DNA as human beings is run back to, like, comfort food. That's why during the pandemic so many of us put on weight and all the other kind of stuff. It's just, it's easy to go back to what we know. And we continue to do that. And now with everything kind of in disarray, it's just, it's easy for all of us, even with our faith, to do that. I've got another podcasting buddy, buddy by the name of Joel down in Florida. And he came up with this term, CND. Now, what he means by that is this. How many of you ever watched a movie when you were a kid and you fell in love with it 
And then you watched it as an adult, and you were like, what was I thinking? Right? You've been there? He calls that cinematic nostalgia disorder, CND. And I think we all have it in almost every area of life. I was listening on the drive down here. Uh, my car broke down, and, and so Megan and I are sharing a car, and I, I rushed her down here uh, for rehearsal. Then I ran home to shower and get back, and, and um, I had the 80s channel on on Sirius. For those of you who grew up in the 80s, have you re-listened to some of those songs? Yikes. I mean, there was, there was a song, there was a top 40 hit song in the 1980s written by a guy in like his mid to late 30s. And the opening line of the song is, she's only 16 years old, leave her alone, they say. And I'm sitting there going, yeah, they say for a good reason, weirdo. You're a grown man. Oh. But we do this. I remember when I worked in Hollywood, I worked in this place called the 9000 building, and right across the street was the infamous Rainbow Bar and Grill. It had become infamous because in the 70s, it was Led Zeppelin's favorite place to hang out. And so I used to go over there at lunchtime or dinnertime, depending on traffic, because I lived in the valley, and even though it was about like three miles as the, as the crow flies, it would take me like 45 minutes to get home because that's Los Angeles. And I would go over there and I'd grab something to eat. It had pretty good food. And I got to know the people there. There was, there was one guy who's, who's a well-known heavy metal guy, and he was there like, if he wasn't writing, recording, or touring, he was at the Rainbow. And he, would, he was always seated right there at the bar, and they had this video game, and he would sit there and play. And I sat next to him many times. We got to know each other. And he asked me one time, he said, what's your favorite album of all time? And without thinking, I said an album that wasn't his. I'm not sure if he was offended or not. But I told him what the album was, and he goes, you were 15 when it came out, right? And I went, because I'm not good at math. I went, yeah, I was. He goes, what you think is cool at 15, you will think is cool for the rest of your life. And I went, huh, that's interesting. And he made the same point, that this is what we do. We grow up, we get stressed, we get, what do we do? We revert back to childhood. We revert back to our, especially our teenage years before we had a driver's license and all the other kind of stuff, and mom and dad were still taking care of us, and this, this is what we do. Now, what in the world does that have to do with anything that we're talking about? It has to do a lot, because what I've encountered in the 20-odd years I've been doing ministry is the pushback I get, mainly from Christians, not non-Christians, Christians, is that they latch on to an idea when they're a kid. They got it from the Christian music they listened to or the books they read or from their preacher or from some TV or radio preacher or whatever, and they latch on to that, and that is the truth. No matter how unbiblical it is, no matter how you can show them from Genesis to Revelation that that doesn't make sense, nope. Such and such taught me, and, da, 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 and they just latch on to that, and they will not break free from it. So, for example, this morning we're talking about the nation of Israel and the land of Israel. And so, in Joshua 7 through 11, 
Joshuaism, don't worry, don't, I, I saw y'all, there's some panic in there. We're not reading all Joshua 7 through 11 this morning, calm down. But in Joshua 7 through 11, I'm going to summarize for you. In Joshua 7 through 11, what happens is, you know, Moses has sinned. He's been replaced in leadership by Joshua after the people of Israel have been freed from slavery in Egypt. And God has taken them and it says, you are my people. And here's what you are to do. You are to go into this land. You are to claim it for your own. You are to kick the people who are there out of there. They're evil people. I don't want them there. They sacrificed their children. They put what we would call today their children in sex trafficking. You are to kick them out and take it over yourself. And Joshua sends some spies in, and they come back, and they're like, <laughs> to put it in modern parlance, it's like, we're hobbits, and they're like WWE. And they've got swords and horses, and they've got, you know, and they've got big walls, and, and we've got basically rakes. What are we going to do? And God comes to Joshua and says, don't worry about it. I'm going ahead of you. I will be with you. I will defeat them for you. All you have to do is be faithful and march behind me. That's it. Just be faithful and march behind me. I'll take care of the rest. And it takes some convincing for the people, but they eventually do go. And you know the stories. What happens at Jericho? They march around. They blow the trumpets, the walls fall, which means God brings them down. Boom. But there's a reason why God said, okay, I want you to take this land right here on the Mediterranean Sea. Right here. And it should stretch from the outskirts of Egypt all the way up to what we call Syria today. I said, I, I want you to take all of that. And today, what happens is a lot of Christians are taught, and there are a lot of commercials even on TV. I know some of you who are younger don't even watch commercials. They're called paid advertisements. They last 30 seconds to a minute. I have the cheap version of Hulu, so I see a lot of them every 10 minutes. And there are these commercials about, you know, you know, feed, you know, the people in Israel and the starving people in Israel. They're not starving in Israel, by the way. That's a load of bunk. Israel has one of the most generous welfare policies in the world. That's not true. So, but they get these advertisements and they're trying to guilt trip you. Um, some of you are old enough to remember. Remember the uh, Sally Struthers from All in the Family? She used to have those ads in the 80s. Like, these people are starving. And, you know, and that whole subtext was, you selfish jerk with your refrigerator full of food. What are you doing? Send $15 a month to, you know. It's been going on forever and ever and ever. These kind of guilt trips. And I watch this, and the underlying philosophy, which still pervades the Christian church, is that land that God gave Israel at that time, that there's something special about it. And the truth is, biblically, there isn't. There just isn't. And I want to be careful here because I know that lately, 
thank you, Kanye, there's been a huge spike in anti-Semitism, which I don't understand. Never understood that. So weird. But God gave this piece of land to the nation of Israel because it was at the crossroads of the known world. You had Rome and Greece. Rome is coming up, Greece is coming up, and if they wanted to trade with the Persians, which they did, guess where they had to go through? They had to go through Israel. If you were in Egypt or Ethiopia and you wanted to trade with the Persians, which everybody did, guess where you had to go through? Israel. If the Persians wanted to trade with the Romans, Greeks, where did they have to go through? Israel. They all had to go through that path of land. And God makes it very clear. Here's what you are to do with that path of land. You are to be different from everyone else in the world. At that time, when Joshua was leading his troops in, only one nation in the world worshipped one God. Every nation in the world worshipped lots of gods. Not Israel. Israel had a judiciary system. An objective judiciary system. It wasn't left to the king or one of his ratty sons to decide your case. If you had a case, if somebody wronged you, you went to what God established called the cities of refuge, and the elders there, who probably didn't know you, would hear your case, hear both sides of the story, then they would go pray to God, and they would come back, and they would give a judgment. No other, war, no other nation in the world did that. And then on top of that, they said, God told Israel, there is to be no poor among you. In other words, in Hebrew, he's saying, no one is to go hungry. None of my people will go hungry. No one will beg. That's one of the reasons if you read like Ruth and so forth, that people were at the end of the day, the people of Israel were allowed to go through people's farms and pick up what was on the ground so they wouldn't have to beg. Whatever was dropped, you weren't allowed to pick up. That was to be left there for the poor. And God said, in fact, if there is a widow or orphan in your land that cries out to me because they have been treated unjustly, I will hold you responsible, the entire nation. And so the whole idea was that people from Rome and Greece and Egypt and Persia, they'd come through this land and they'd look around and they'd see there are no beggars. There's no poor. There's, no, there's almost no crime. There's no, what, what, what's going on here? This isn't like where we come from. In Rome, there were beggars on every street. In Greece, same thing. If you went farther south, you went down to Ethiopia, or you went into even among those who dwelled the deserts of Saudi Arabia, do you know what they're saying was? If you see a crippled man, kick him. Because why should you treat him better than his God? But in Israel, everyone was to be treated the same, with respect and love. And Israelites were also commanded to show hospitality. If they saw these strangers coming from these foreign lands, and they looked tired and they looked thirsty, Israel was commanded to go out and go, come on in, come, 
Drink from my well. Have some food. Get some rest. No one will hurt you here. This wasn't happening anywhere else. No, nowhere was this planned. And so, and then the whole idea was for people to go, how, how did you do this? How is it that you have no hungry among you? How is it that the widows and orphans are cared for? How is it that there is justice? How is it that you just welcome anyone into your home? And the response was to be, we worship the one true God. And this is what he has commanded. And what's the point? The point is for them to come to know and worship the one true God. For God tells them, you will be for me a nation of priests. It wasn't the land that was sacred. The land is not sacred. The mission of God is sacred. To reach out to others, to bring them to know the one true God, to care for each other so there is no hungry among us. I can tell you, you can argue all you want about whether or not that's the government job, but I can tell you the Bible is very clear, it is our job. To care for one another. It's the mission, not the land, not the people. Paul makes it very clear. The Jewish people are not the people of God. The people of God are those who follow Jesus Christ. Jew or Gentile, doesn't matter. Regardless of your ethnicity, if you've put your faith in Jesus Christ and you trust Jesus Christ and you are loyal to Jesus Christ, you are the people of God. And Israel is not sacred land anymore. The whole world is God's and is sacred. All of it. But the mission remains the same. God does not have a plan A and a plan B. It wasn't that, oh, Israel screwed up, which they did. All right, got to figure out something else. Go back to Genesis 3. He planned on Jesus from the beginning. But the mission of Jesus and the mission of the church is the same as the mission of Israel. The mission has not changed. The way we carry out the mission has, but the mission remains the same. To reach the people of the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. To show them the one true God. And we do that through proclamation, through proclaiming the gospel. 2 Corinthians 5.21, he who knew no sin. You've got to memorize that verse. You unpack 2 Corinthians 5.21. That is the gospel in short hand. You share the gospel. And then you care for one another to show them you mean it. That was Israel's mission, and they failed. That is the church's mission. We must not fail. The plan, the mission is the same, but the plan, the way they execute the mission was, the people will come to Israel. In Matthew 28, Jesus Christ says, you, my people, will go to them. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. 
plans the same. There is nothing sacred about the land of Israel. It's good to go there. I've been there. It's worth it. It's, it's great to be, to stand where Jesus stood. I remember I went with a, a large group, and Ralph Clay was one of them. And Ralph's getting a little better, by the way. I think he's at like 2% or so. He's, he's getting better, but the doctors have told him to kind of take it easy until at least the new year. But Ralph, um, I remember standing with Ralph, and we were in this antechamber where Jesus would have been judged by the Jewish officials. And we were standing there, and I looked over, and Ralph started crying and started singing a cappella, Amazing Grace. And everybody joined in. And afterwards, I walked up, and I put my arm around Ralph, and I said, what spurred that on? He said, Pastor, it just hit me. I'm standing where my Savior stood. And there's something special about that. There, there is. It's worth it to go, to be on the Sea of Galilee, to go to Bethlehem, to stand in the Garden of Gethsemane where you can see the temple, to see where Jesus prayed before he was crucified, to see where he could see the soldiers coming down with torches to arrest him, why he was praying. It's worth it. There's nothing sacred about it. There's nothing sacred about this building. There's nothing... The only sacred thing is that which directly belongs to Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit within you. The Father, the Son, the Spirit. That is sacred. Now there will be a sacred space again. Again, what people are taught when they're kids, especially about the end times, and they get so wrapped up in it. I have had people come to me with rapture charts. And I'm like, well, what about, you know, I take them to the Gospels, and, and they're like, but wait, you're not, you're not dealing with that. I was like, I'm not interested in your chart. I'm interested in what Jesus said. I don't understand, as Fred Craddock said one time, why so many people are only concerned with Jesus' second coming and not his first. I don't get that. We have been given one explicit command. When Jesus, before he left this earth, his last earthly bodily command was what? Go and make disciples of all nations, teaching them everything that I have commanded, baptizing them in the name. That's the command. The command is not to get your end time straight. You won't. I won't. I've told you before. Some of you are so heavy, rapture, 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 and I, 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 I'm not so big on it. But if there's a rapture when I'm floating up in the sky and you look over at me, I'll go, okay. Nobody gets everything right. There are Cleveland Browns fans here. But anyway. <laughs> Hi, Gary. Um, 
It's the mission. It's the mission. And I understand that another thing you were probably taught as a child that you tend to gravitate toward in times of stress is that, well, the preacher told me, or the guy on TV told me, or the guy on the radio told me, or read a pamphlet that said this, that, okay, if I go forward and I confess that I'm a sinner and I ask Jesus into my heart and I get baptized, I'm saved. And yes, you are. Only if you truly meant it. Anybody can fake it. Anybody can do it because it makes their mom and dad happy, their grandma happy, the preacher guilt-tripped them enough, made them scared of hell. Not so much that they're in love with Jesus, they're just scared of hell. What does Jesus say? Jesus says in John 14, 15, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Now, he, he's not, he knows you're not going to do it perfectly. He knows who you are. He knows your heart. He saw his own disciples screw it up again and again and again and again. But you're going to want to. I have this all the time. People ask me, am I really saved? I keep screwing this up. Am I really saved? Do you want to follow Jesus? Do you want to keep his commands? Because you, won't, you will not want to unless you love him. And you're not saved unless you love him. It's not loving salvation, it's loving Jesus, and you get salvation as part of that. Will you keep his commandments? Now, we have just here in, what, 13 days, the new year, and what do we all do? We make resolutions. I have, apparently, two weeks to lose 30 pounds and read 30 more books. I don't appreciate the laughing. I have hope. <laughs> but we do this, and it's, they're basically largely about ourselves. We're going to do this for our health. We're going to work out this much. I'm going to save this much. I'm going to put this much into retirement. I'm going to cut this out. I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that. I'm going to sleep more, whatever. When was the last time you prayerfully resolved to keep Jesus' commandments this year? To show your love to him by keeping his commandments. By sharing the gospel, and if you're just like, I, I, can't, I can't do that, I can't, the words won't come out of my mouth, I'm a radical introvert, I can't talk to strangers, invite him to church. I'll do it for you. Megan will do it for you. She can't help do it anyway. She does it all the time. It's fine. Keep his commandments. Move away from the comfortable things of childhood where you were taught 
that your ticket's punched and you're done. Move away from the comfortable things of childhood where it's all about guessing when Jesus will return. Move away from the things of childhood where it's, I care for the Jewish people, but I don't lift a finger to help the person who sits across from me in church. Move away from those comfortable things and show your love to Jesus by teaching his commandments. Loving him. Keeping them. Being a good father, a good husband, a good wife, a good mother, a good child, a good sharing the gospel most of all. And looking after our own church family. Um, we've had a lot of people since the pandemic who watch online. And I understand that. There are a lot of people who are still very afraid, very afraid to come out, especially right now with the what's called triple-demic or, or whatever it is. I get it. But at some point, the Bible is very clear that if you can worship with your church family, you should. This is a commandment of Jesus as well. Not once a month, not twice a month, not once every six weeks is becoming more common, but whenever you can. And so this week, a bunch of us, Dad, Caleb, myself, a few others, are going to be going to see these people. We're not going to bum rush their home and walk in and <coughs> all over them. We're not going to do that. They're paranoid enough. We're just going to show up at their front porch, say, here's a little gift, a little note. Says we miss you. If you do the chance, if you have the chance, you should do the same. If you know somebody who hasn't been coming to church because of whatever reason, especially because of they're afraid of everything that's going around, reach out to them. See how they're doing, and always be looking, always. For that person who doesn't have a church home, doesn't know Christ, share the gospel with them. If that means we need to buy an old-fashioned tract, fine. Invite them to church. Now, I know what you're thinking. A lot of us, I've done that. They say no. Or they come and they don't come back. That's not up to you. Salvation belongs to the Lord. That's not up to you. You're to be faithful. You are to be faithful. You do not guarantee the results. God tells Joshua in 11.8, he says, Look, I know they look scary to you. I know you think practically you are ill-prepared. But I will be with you. And what does Jesus say in Matthew 28? What does he tell his church? He says, I will be with you always, even until the end of the age. The Holy Spirit is the one who determines salvation. You're the one who determines whether or not you are faithful. It's not the results. It's not where you get, because you can get a big head with that. I've, I led 10 people to baptism last year. 
and you walk around all like this, you didn't lead them there. You were faithful. And the gospel of Jesus Christ infused with the Holy Spirit brought them there. You were just faithful. And I don't care if you walk up to somebody and you invite them to church and they cuss you out. I have had that. Many times. Ironically, sometimes from Mormons. They're not even supposed to drink caffeine. I don't know where the cussings come from. But I have done that. But the simple fact is, whether they say yes or whether they say no, or whether they say no in a really nasty way, what I am doing is for an audience of one. I am being faithful to Jesus Christ. In that moment, I am being faithful to Jesus Christ. I'm not earning anything. I'm not getting anything for that. Jesus was very clear in his teaching. A servant doesn't receive an extra pat on the back for doing what the servant's supposed to do. Will you? Because we're going to have time to talk about this. I do have to preach on, on New Year's Eve and New Year's Day to all five of you. Please, on New Year's Day, if you show up, coffee and Tylenol a few hours before, please. But, you know, it, it's strange because we're so afraid that people will get offended if we share the gospel with them, if we share our faith with them. Do you know one of my favorite atheists, I know that's a weird statement, one of my favorite atheists is Penn Jillette, if you've ever heard of Penn and Teller. Penn Jillette said when he meets Christians and they don't share the gospel with him, he's offended. And you know why? He said, if you believe with all your heart and soul that I'm going to an eternity in hell and you don't try to do anything about it, you don't care for me. He's right. He's absolutely right. And think about why you're here. There's a quote in your bulletin from Warren Wiersbe. He says, you are a Christian because somebody cared. Now it's your turn. You're thinking about next year, and I know you won't think about it much till December 26th. I get that. But, you know, we spend so much of our time, many of you in December or late November or early January, you'll go see a financial advisor or who, whatever, and they'll talk to you, especially when you get to be my age, about retirement. Are you on track to retire? How much do you have in your 401k? How much do you have in a Roth IRA, whatever it is, and you'll go through all of those. And if you're lucky, when you retire, according to the statistics, you will get 15 to 20 years to live off that money. And then what? 
what happens when you face judgment? What happens with eternity? John Piper, someone I respect very much, semi-retired. <laughs> when I say semi, I mean he's not retired at all. He just quit preaching every week. John Piper wrote a book several years ago called Don't Waste Your Life. And in it he said, first of all, biblically, there's no such thing as retirement. You may quit going to work every day, but you still have work to do. And he said he read a story that broke his heart. It was about a couple. A couple who, who self-professed Christian. And their whole life was geared towards saving a certain amount of money so that they could sell their house, buy a little beach house, and spend their life on the ocean. And especially their passion was collecting seashells. And I said, this was, they wrote that this, this was their dream. Just to go be left alone, drink coffee in the morning, have a good breakfast, collect seashells, and relax for 15, 20 years. And John Piper's question to that couple was, when Jesus returns, what will you show them? What will you say? Lord, here are my shells. We have work to do. Now, I'm telling you right now, I understand the holidays, and I'll preach more about this on Christmas Eve, Lord willing, that another bug doesn't get me. I think I've had all of them at this point, but we'll see. But, bless you, honey. I can recognize her sneeze anywhere. Um, after the last few months, we can both recognize each other's cough from a football field away. But I, I, I am giving you permission between now and the new year to relax as best you can. Never understood why people turn holidays into, into just anxiety fests. Do you know, I know that some of you, you know, have kids and you're, you're on Amazon and, and, or you're going wherever and you're trying to find this and that. Do you know that in all my life I only remember one toy I ever got? Does it really matter that much? Honestly? Don't stress yourself out. Enjoy each other's company. Love each other. Don't talk about politics. All right, Gary? <laughs> and just enjoy each other. And I'll talk more about that on Christmas Eve. But for now, I do want you to begin to think. Just begin to think. Don't stress over it. Just begin to think. Between now and January, would it be possible for me just to spend a few seconds a day to take your phone or to take a piece of paper and to begin to write down names. Names of people you know who don't know Jesus Christ. 
and start to pray over them just a few seconds a day, just a few seconds a day. Pray over them between now and then. And then come January, go get them. Is that fair enough? Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word, how clear it is that your people are called to mission. We are called to worship you, to love each other, and to reach out, to bring others to you so they will do the same. Israel is not the end. This church is not the end. Your kingdom is the end. All of those things are just means to that end. And we pray, Heavenly Father, that while we just hopefully notch it down the stress level and enjoy each other, learn to just be with each other and love each other over the next couple weeks, that we begin to prayerfully put together a list of people we know need to know you. And then, come January, Lord willing, we will go knowing that you are with us, and in fact, like Joshua, you go before us. And there is nothing to fear, for you are there. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Guys, it is 1134, which means the kids, if you've got kids back there, they may be another five or ten minutes before they are done. Uh, do not make me ashamed and go back and start wrestling over the last couple donuts after I just told you to love each other. Christmas Eve service, Saturday, 4 o'clock. We'll be done by 5. Unfortunately, we'll be done early because we've got so many people who are sick and can't perform and so forth. So 4 o'clock, be here early. Early is not 4.05, okay? Be here early to get a seat. We will have a, because we're not having service on Sunday, we're going to have a regular service before our candle lighting service. So we will have a worship service on Saturday. We will have worship. We will have communion. We will have a sermon. We will have all of that before the candle lighting and a special song. Okay? God bless you. God goes with you. Do not drive yourselves crazy this week, all right? And go Bengals. Christ Community Church, located at 25th and Thomas Avenue in Portsmouth, Ohio. Christ Community meets on Saturday at 5 p.m. and Sunday at 10.30 a.m. For more information, visit www.christcommunity.net or check out our Facebook page.